0: Hey Drew Dixon from Lovely Nerd, back with you for another Bible thump. I'm the chief content nerd, Lovely Nerd, and what we do in these Bible thumps is we open up the Bible and uh, and take a look at it and hopefully find some encouragement from it that will encourage you and challenge you and um, give you hope and perspective um, as you go about your daily nerdly existence, nerdy existence, nerdly. I think nerdly is a fun word. Let's is it in Wordle? Somebody look at that. It can't be. That would be six letters. Wordly could not be. Nerds would be geeks would be in wordle um are you playing wordle i am kind of <clears throat> addicted to it although i will say Quordle is the way to go i'm a i'm a big fan of Quordle. if you don't know what that is it's four simultaneous games of wordle all at one time it's really great uh, all right. So, uh, Matthew, Matthew, I'm so sorry. I started talking about Wordle and I'd say the wrong things. We're in the gospel of Mark. That's where we've been for a while. And we're kind of at the climax in many ways. Uh, we've been building up to this moment for a long time now, at least since chapter eight in Mark's gospel. And now we're towards the end, chapter 15. And, um, yeah, we've been building to this moment when Jesus would finally go to the cross and we're ahead of the game a little bit here because Easter's coming up, but, um, I still think there's never a bad time to talk about the significance of Jesus' suffering and death. And ultimately, then, the hope that follows of his resurrection. But we're not going to get to the resurrection today. We're just going to talk about the the crucifixion of Jesus. And I want to challenge you to join me in something that I think we need to work really hard at as followers of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, you probably have this problem. Um, The cross is of Jesus can become really commonplace. Uh, We wear necklaces of it, t-shirts, bumper stickers. Um, We sing songs about it all the time in church. Um, Oh, the wonderful cross, right? Um, And we think the death of Jesus is this really significant moment, but we can trivialize it and forget how weird and bizarre and strange it is. So I want to challenge us to make the cross strange again. Uh, Let's make the cross of Christ strange again because it really is bizarre. There's nothing quite like it in human history. No death that was quite like this event. Um, And the way it plays out and the way Mark describes it is really unique. So I want to challenge you as I read to think about what Mark might be trying to say in the way he tells the resurrection story. Um there's a misnomer sometimes I think that some Christians can have that there's only one way to tell a story. The true way, right? And that's actually not entirely true. People can tell true stories in ways that are completely different from the way another person would tell a true story. So like, um, let's say me and a buddy hung out together all day. Um, We did, you know, we went to this, we went to amusement park together, we got lunch together, um, we... Uh, went to the park together. We hung out all day doing things together. At night, we played board games together. Um, We had the same day, essentially. But if we were to describe it and write it down, it would be different. We would have different perspectives. We would emphasize different things, different notes about that day. I might go on and on about the roller coasters that we rode because I love roller coasters. It's actually true. I really do love roller coasters. Uh, My friend might talk about lunch because perhaps... My friend is a foodie or whatever. You get the idea. So when we read the Gospels, because we have four of them, it's really important to think about what, what emphasis is the author placing in his telling of the story or her telling of the story. Um, and in this case, Mark is going to give us um, some unique insight into the death of Jesus. Um, now, I want to be really clear. like, I think all the Gospels are true. This is not a statement on authenticity. I think they're all true. I think they're all the Word of God. I think they're all gifts from God. Um, but each author has their own unique human insight, um, gifted to them, given to them by God. Um, and, and if we pay attention to that, we can get some real real good out of this. So uh, Mark 15, starting in verse uh, verse 20. After they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple ro- robe and put his clothes on him. They led him out to crucify him. They forced a man coming in from, from the country who was passing by to carry Jesus' cross. He was Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. They ga- tried to give him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. Then they crucified him and divided his clothes, casting lots for them to decide what each would get. Now it was nine in the morning. When they crucified him, the inscription of the charge written against him was, The King of the Jews. They crucified two criminals with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by were yelling insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, Ha! The one who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself by coming down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests and the scribes were mocking him among themselves, saying, He saved others, but he cannot save himself? Let the Messiah, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross, so that we may see and believe." Even those who were crucified with him taunted him. Then it was noon. When it was noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, 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 lama sabachthani, which means, which translated, uh, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, See, he's calling for Elijah. Someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine and fixed it on a stick, offered him a drink, and said, Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. Jesus let out a loud cry and breathed his last. Then the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. When the centurion who was standing opposite him saw the way he breathed his last, he said, Truly this man was the Son of God. There, there were also some women watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, the younger, and the son of, this, and of, jo- of Hoses in Salome. In Galilee, these women followed him and took care of him. Many other women had come up with him to Jerusalem. All right, there's a lot that we can unpack, but I want to emphasize, I want to say kind of up front, like we're not going to hit everything that's significant in this passage. I mean, obviously there's some big things that we talk about a lot. Uh, The curtain is torn in two, which the curtain was in the temple, and the temple was the symbol of... um, now, not just a symbol, it was a destination, it was the place you went to, to meet with God. Like, the temple is the place where God's presence dwelt in a special way. It's not to say that it's the only place where God's presence was felt, but God's presence was believed to be present in the temple in a very special way, and that curtain separated people from God, who is terrifyingly holy um, and perfect in every way. It separates imperfect, broken people from that which is perfect and holy and set apart. And when Jesus breathes his last breath, that curtain is torn in two. Um, darkness descends uh, from 12 until 3 on the day of Jesus' death. Um, symbolizing there's something going on about the created order, the cosmos. Like, Jesus' death is connected to embodied life uh, and an embodied life on this planet, the created order, the physical universe that we embody and live in, um, is being shaken at his very death. Um, so that's a big deal too. Um, you also have the women who are the ones watching Jesus die and attending to him, uh, after his death too. Um, which is significant too, because, um, I mean, think. I think I've said this before on these Bible thumps. Like in the ancient world, in the first century, like um, a woman wasn't considered a valid t- uh, person to give testimony in the court of law. And so, if Mark wants to make a case for the for the reality of the resurrection, you don't choose women as uh, the reality of Jesus' real physical death and resurrection. You don't don't choose women to fill that role. Um, if you're if you're if you're painting a fabrication, if you're trying to find some good witnesses, but Mark tells us that they were there, um, which I think points to the authenticity of his, his account, that, that this is an accurate account. Um, and also it's just beautiful that these women were so committed to Jesus. They're um, important players in this story that Mark's telling, this true story that Mark's telling. Uh, but what I think I want to camp out on is the way it all kind of ends. Um, in Mark's gospel, Jesus' death is punctuated by the testimony of someone that's it, almost impossible to believe we're getting testimony from. Um, Mark's account of Jesus' death has a lot to do with the temple. Um, remember what Jesus had said uh, previously about the temple? He had gone into the temple and thrown tables over and cast the money changers out. He like tried to stop the sacrificial offerings in the temple that were going on for a time. um, It was an act of judgment against the temple. And um, like here, that is brought up by those who are mocking Jesus. So the religious leaders pounds on that, right? Remember you said you would destroy the temple and build it again in three days. Like, save yourself from the cross. Like, why can't you do, if you could destroy the temple, why can't you, you know, if you would cast judgment on the temple, this super important place of worship and symbol of God's favor upon the people of Israel and his presence among them. If you could do something about that, like, can't you stop yourself from being crucified? Um, And remember, remember when Jesus cast the money changers out and threw the tables over in the temple, what did he then say? Do you remember? He said, Jesus said, uh, he quoted isaiah and he said my house is to be a house of prayer for all nations but you've made it a den of robbers so he's saying that something about the way they're doing temple the way the temple's being run was actually like oppressive and exclusive and um and harmed people outside israel so the nations right were being excluded and being looked down upon by the way the temple is being raised. Um, in other words, like, outsiders were being judged and treated poorly. And so here, that very idea is brought back up. And the Pharisees and the religious leaders are missing something really beautiful that goes on in the cross. Um, and that's that it opens up a way to God for people on the outside for people on the outs for people on the margins for people who feel like they don't belong for nerds like you and nerds like me for people who felt often in church that like there's not a place for me here because look who is amazed and drawn into life with jesus at the end of mark's account it's a centurion and remember if you're a Jew in Jesus' day in the first century, if you were an Israelite in the first century, you saw Rome as an enemy of God. Like, anytime Israel was under foreign rule uh, in captivity from another nation, that was viewed as um, as evidence of, of God's judgment. That was views, viewed as like, there's something, you know, we're not right with God. Things are not okay. Um, and And anyone who was um and so like for for the for jews in the first century many of them saw um the romans as the enemies of god that needed to be overthrown that's what they were looking forward to that's the kind of king they wanted jesus to be and that's why casting lots for his clothing and the crown of thorns and the inscription that says the king of the jews like all those things are meant to mock jesus and say to him you are not really king like there's no way a king could be crucified in this horrific way by the way crucifixion was a horrific way to die Horribly painful, and also, um, it was reserved for the most vile criminals, right? Because it was a way to really, like, completely degrade and humiliate. Like, there's no more degrading and humiliating way, really, um, to die in the first century than by crucifixion. And so, as Jesus is being completely humiliated, and made fun of, and mocked, and his clothes are being cast lots for, and, and people are sneering at him, and the religious leaders are saying, you failed, Jesus is actually doing exactly what he said he was do. He's doing to the temple exactly what he said he would do. Because you see, Jesus himself, right, is the temple. And as that curtain is torn in two, we're reminded that everyone is invited in to be a part of the family of God through Jesus everyone is invited. That means you, that means me, that means your friends, that means the nerds on your street, that means um, the people you love the most in your life, the people you despise in your life, are all invited to a seat at the table with Jesus. The centurion by everyone else would have been considered um, would have been considered an enemy of God, right? Um, But In in Mark's gospel, it's the centurion who comes to faith. He says, truly this man was the son of God. Isn't that beautiful? This is the nations, a Roman, this this is Jesus actually making the temple once again, a house of prayer for all nations. Because through his death, Jesus is opening up ways for people who feel like they're completely on the outs with God. Completely on the outs with everyone around them, maybe even too um and says welcome in welcome home don't know where you're at but i'm guessing you need that message you need that message that you're welcome that you're invited let's make the cross strange again how strange it is that the last one of the last details mark gives us about the crucifixion of Jesus isn't actually exactly about Jesus. I know, I know, I know, like through the cross, Jesus is, is accomplishing salvation for all who would believe. Like he's, he's suffering uh, under, willingly choosing to suffer the wrath of God for sin on our behalf so that we can have a relationship with God. Like there's so much going on here, and I'm sorry I'm not like hitting on everything, but I just want to hit this really beautiful and strange note and, and make sure you don't miss it. That someone who felt like they were on the outs was invited inside invited to be a part. With Jesus, you belong. Whether everyone else around you been, has, has been telling a different story. With Jesus, you belong, no matter how you feel about yourself or how others feel about you or how you see yourself or your place in the world. With Jesus, you belong. You do. And I love how Mark tells this story because it reminds me that I belong, that I have a place with Jesus. And that he has a future, a beautiful future for me, full of purpose and and kingdom life and focus and and dignity. Thanks for your time. We'll see you again next week for our next Bible Thump.